Well, I don't know how you grew up, but in my family growing up, we had no problem with the fourth commandment. I grew up in a Baptist church, which meant we did Sunday very, very well. We got up early on Sunday. We were dressed to the nines by nine. I mean, suit, tie, the whole deal. We'd go to Sunday school where we listened to Bible stories on flannel graph. If you don't know what flannel graph is, I am not unpacking it for you. You're just going to have to figure it out on your own. We would sing songs like the B-I-B-L-E. The wise man built his house upon the rock. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Remember? There you go. Okay. And if we were feeling really rebellious that weekend, we would sing a rousing rendition of Father Abraham had seven sons. I mean, somebody know that one? Then you have no idea. All right. Okay. Then we'd go straight from Sunday school to church where we would sing and pray. And in the middle, somebody would stand up and they would do a special number, which had nothing to do with numbers at all. And if you don't understand that, I'm not unpacking that for you either. All right. It's a church thing. Then the pastor would preach. If he went past noon, somebody would be appointed to go and talk to him about that. Because if you went past noon, it messed everything up because one of the traditions in the home was to have a chicken or roast beef dinner waiting for the family when you got home because church was exhausting where I grew up, all right? So the guy would preach. You'd try to get out there on time, but there was always an altar call, which was strange to me because it always seemed to be the same people at the front repenting week after week, thinking they must be really bad, all right? So... You'd go home, have the chicken dinner or the roast beef dinner, and then there was, it wasn't a written rule, but everybody seemed to just fall asleep at some point. It was like a, a family nap. If you have a German Mennonite background, it was called a Metaschlope, which makes it sound biblical, but it's not, okay? So we would do that. You'd have a nap, and then you'd wake up, and then there was the traditional argument between the kids and the parents about whether we had to go back to church in the evening because the wonderful world of Disney started at six, Right? And, and church just messed the whole thing up. And we, the kids always lost. So we'd have to go early at 5.30 for choir practice. Then we would do the church service, which was like a gospel service, like hellfire, brimstone, sweat dripping off the nose of the pastor. And then they'd have a fellowship time after that where everybody brought brownies and we'd all stand around and talk about the whole day. And if you were really godly, you'd stay for what we called a hymn sing or a singing, which usually started at nine and would go almost till 10 o'clock. And that was Sunday. How many of you know what I'm talking about when I do that? Thank you, Jesus. How many have no idea what I'm talking about when I say that? Thank you, Jesus. That's awesome. Okay. All right. I mean, we did the whole Sunday thing very, very well. And that's what we're going to talk about today because we're talking about the fourth commandment. The big question is, what's the deal with the Sunday Sabbath? We're going to get all of that together. So we've been doing the first three commandments so far. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make or worship any idols. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And commandment number four, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. I think if it was important enough for God to put it in his top ten, that we should probably understand it too. So let's say the fourth commandment together. The fourth commandment is, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Sabbath comes from the word Shabbat, which literally means to rest from your labor. And what I'm going to do today is I'm going to blast through a biblical understanding of Sabbath because it's so misunderstood in the church today. We're going to talk about what Sabbath is, what it isn't, and then we're going to talk about how practical this piece of wisdom is that God put in the Ten Commandments. And we're going to start with this. All the way back at the beginning of Scripture, God modeled Sabbath. All right? He modeled Sabbath. In Genesis chapter 2, the Bible says this. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Okay, let's just stop there for a second. Just so you know, God didn't take a break on the seventh day because he was tired, okay? 
God is omnipotent. He has an inexhaustible supply of power, energy, and passion. God doesn't need rest like we do. So just so you know, after six days of creating the world and everything in it, God didn't sit back and go, whoa, that really, that really took it out of me. I think I need to lay down. I mean, that did not happen. That did not happen because God doesn't need that. What do we need to know about that? It's this. God didn't take a rest because he needed a rest. God took a rest because he knew that you would need to take a rest. He's modeling it for you. That's a clue, okay? It's a clue. This is one of those, yoo-hoo, you know, take a mental note, grab a brain, fill in your own blank, get it, got it, good kind of moments. I mean, God's just saying, I don't need to take a rest. So if I take one, it's probably because I want you to pay attention to the fact that even though God doesn't need the rest, you're going to. Okay, so we modeled Sabbath. Secondly, God implemented Sabbath. Let's read this right out of the Exodus text on the Ten Commandments. It says this, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So here's God's simple equation. For six days you should be the hardest workers of all people, because you're followers of the Most High God. And Scripture says you're to work as unto the Lord. That was the basis for the whole Sweat Equity series that we just finished this spring. You should be working hard for six days. But God says, for your own good, on the seventh day, you need to disconnect from all of the things that you think are important and reconnect into a spiritual power supply so that you can truly be telling the truth when you say God is more than enough for you. It's a simple equation. Work hard, accomplish what you need to in six days, and then for your own good, set aside a day to rest, to focus on God, to enjoy His creation, to quiet your spirit so that you can hear what God is saying to you, to pursue holiness, to devote yourself fully to God, to connect spiritually, to disconnect from all of the stuff that's stressing you out during the week and to plug in to the incredible peace that God has for His children. So God implemented Sabbath. Then He actually reinforced Sabbath. I love it when Scripture is just blunt, all right? So here's Scripture being blunt in Exodus 31, 15. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day must be put to death. Does that not freak anybody else out? I mean, Scripture just says it right out there, right? You know, take a day off or die, right? I mean, I think this is a very, very big deal. Now, I want you to think about that verse in light of how religion works, because I think this is what God's saying. What does religion say? Religion says you better keep performing. You need to get it together. You need to clean yourself up and dust yourself off, young man. You need to get on the treadmill and run as fast as you can because the truth is God's never quite happy with your effort because you're just not doing enough. You need to do more. You need to exhaust yourself. You need to burn out. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. That's what religion says. Do you hear the Father heart of God coming out of Exodus? You see, God has a different message. The message goes like this. Hey, stop performing. 
Stop trying to pretend you have a life and really learn to live one. God says, look, you can't get to the level you want to be at on your own, so let me carry you to that place. God says, life's not a treadmill, it's a journey. God says, stop laboring in your own strength. Stop trying to trust in yourself. Trying to th- stop trying to think that this is all about you. Instead, rely on me. Because if you learn how to rely on me, I will give you 25 more things to be done by Thursday. Is that what it says? It says if you rely on him, he will give you rest. Here's the beautiful thing. If you jump towards the end of your Bible, not only does God model Sabbath and implement Sabbath and reinforce it, but he also promises future Sabbath. If you're here today with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, Hebrews 4 is good news for you. It says this, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. My friends, one day there won't be a need to work anymore. One day there'll be no more striving or toil. One day there will be no one to impress and nothing to prove. One day there'll be no more weeds to pull or buildings to paint. One day there'll be no more suffering or pain. One day, as a family member of God, we're going to enter into a rest that will last for all of eternity. And my question to you is, will you be there? Will you join us? on that day when we get to fully enter into the rest that God has promised us. Now the truth is, there's been a lot of debate about the Sabbath commandment. I think a lot of the debate has come from very well-intended people who were trying their best to understand what it was that God wanted them to do. The problem is they ended up way out in the spiritual weeds because they end up majoring on the minors, okay? Let me give you a little Sabbath history so you understand exactly what it is that we're talking about, okay? It's important to know this. The original Jewish Sabbath was on Saturday, according to the calendar, okay? That's when it was. It was observed on Saturday. And we could, at this point turn this into an argument about calendars. And we could talk Greco-Roman calendars, Israeli calendars, Hebrew calendars. We could talk about all of the different calendars. But the truth is, people have been arguing about that for several thousand years, and they've never come to a conclusion. So I don't think we're going to either. Okay? And I'm going to tell you why in just a couple of minutes. Okay, we could argue calendars if this one want to, but we're not going to solve anything. It was on Saturday. But here's the next point in your outline. The early church observed Sabbath on Sunday to coincide with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I laid out all kinds of scripture there so you can go and check out to find out whether or not I'm lying to you or not, okay? And it would make sense. The early church began to focus their worship on Sunday because it was on a Sunday that God did his best work. I mean, you don't get any better work than when God the Father raises God the Son back to life again, right? When you beat death once and for all, that's a very good day. True? That's a very good day, okay? So... The early church began to use that as a focal point for worship. Just seems to make a lot of logical sense. So they actually moved Sabbath to Sunday. The next point there says that the emperor Constantine made Sunday an official day of rest in 321 AD. So the government gets involved and the leader of that, of that particular time in history actually makes it official. We're going to worship on Sunday. Hundreds of years later here in the United States, 
they start debating which Sabbath are we actually going to observe, the Jewish Sabbath of Saturday or the early Christian church of Sunday. And what's really cool is they decided not to offend anybody and decided to observe both Saturday and Sunday, which is why you get a two-day weekend. Thank you, Jesus, right? That's awesome. Okay? You probably never knew why you got one. That's the reason you got one, okay? All of that to say this. Do me a huge favor. If you're a calendar neatnik, don't bother sending me all of the websites on the internet that describe the fact that moving from Saturday to Sunday is some type of a spiritual conspir- uh, conspiracy to debunk the Bible, okay? I read all of the stuff as much as I could this past week, and by doing that, you're actually making my point, because if you don't get anything else today, I want you to get this, okay? The point is this. The Sabbath commandment is not about a day, it's about a do. Let me say it again. It's not about a day, it's about a do. The question is not when do you Sabbath, the question is do you Sabbath? Do you find yourself in obedience to the fourth commandment or are you doing your own thing? I want you to notice something about the fourth commandment. All of the other ten commandments, the other nine are mentioned again in the New Testament in the context of the fact that people are supposed to obey. There's one commandment that's missing, number four, which ultimately means this. God has given us some freedom in how to do Sabbath, and we're not legislated by the law anymore. Now, don't think for a second that means, well, then I don't have to do that. No, that's the point too. It's not an I don't have to, it's a you get to. God, for your own good, has given you the gift of unplugging yourself from the trials of this world and to take an entire day and focus completely and solely on Him. That's a grace, that's a gift, and God has blessed you with it as a follower of the Most High God. What an awesome, amazing thing. You know, when we lay out the Sabbath, I found that there's three common responses to the fourth commandment. The first response is disobedience. All right? This is where we think we're smarter than God. We work ourselves to death. We wonder why we have no friends or no family. And ultimately, your reward is a heart attack. That's how it works, okay? All right? This is when we just hear what God is saying. We know that it was done for our own good, but we just decide we're smarter than God anyway. We do things our own way. And unfortunately, we reap what we sow. It's full out disobedience. God said, Remember the Sabbath day. I'm just like, Nah, no thanks. I think I'm going to go do my own thing. Okay? It's an option. The second common response that I see is something called legalism. And this response is when people get all caught up in the rules and they care more about the day than they care about God. In fact, they will actually, there are entire denominations that will go so far as to say that if you don't worship on their Sabbath, you're going to burn in hell someday. I mean, they'll just come straight out and say it. Okay? Here's why I struggle with legalists. Legalists like to make their own report card, which I don't have a big problem with, but then they take it and they superimpose it on your life. And suddenly it's about you jumping through their hoops in order to arrive at a certain place. Just by that attitude, just to tick them off, I think God gives them a minus one right there, okay? Just because of their attitude. Legalism doesn't get us anywhere. And you know why I love talking to legalists about this particular commandment? Because they hate it when I point out the fact that Jesus broke the Sabbath. Jesus was a rebel. 
Jesus shows up. I mean, in the first century, there was a group of people known as the Pharisees. They were the spiritual cops. And their rule said, you did not do anything on the Sabbath. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And Jesus keeps showing up in the New Testament and going, I'm going to do something on Sabbath. And the Pharisees just start freaking out. Let me show you some examples. And this is what I believe Jesus is teaching us. I believe when it comes to the fourth commandment, Jesus lived in the spirit of the law as opposed to the letter of the law. It wasn't about the day. It was about the do. Do you Sabbath? Let me give you some examples, okay? Matthew chapter 12, 1 through 14, John chapter 9, Jesus heals on the Sabbath. Get this scenario in your mind. Jesus is walking along. There is a blind person or a lame person in his way. He stops and he heals them. They couldn't see, now they can. They couldn't walk, now they can. And in the middle of this celebration, when the person who's been healed is going, this is just awesome, the spiritual cops show up and go, you can't do that. That's not allowed. Sorry, you're going to have to retract that healing and come back tomorrow because we don't heal till Monday morning at 8. All right? That's the deal. Can you imagine the response of the healed person when the spiritual cops show up? It's like, I don't care what the calendar says. I couldn't see, and now I can. So I think this guy is really with it. I mean, just think about it for a second. Jesus violated the Sabbath. He broke the rules by healing on that day. What's he teaching us? It's the spirit of the law, not the letter of the law. If somebody needs to be healed, Jesus is like, I'll heal you. What an amazing gift. Here's the second one. Jesus taught on the Sabbath. In Mark chapter 6, he's teaching a discourse, and it's on the Sabbath. And the spiritual cops show up and go, hey, dude, zip it. You can't talk. It's Sabbath. We're not allowed to, we're not allowed to <laughs> hear from God. That's what they're saying, right? The focal point of Sabbath is supposed to be hearing and worshiping God. You've got God right in front of you talking, and the spiritual cops are going, excuse me, that's against the rules. What does Jesus do? He keeps talking. It's awesome, right? What else does he do? In John chapter 7, the Bible teaches us that Jesus actually rebuked people on the Sabbath. That was, you just weren't allowed to do that. And he starts rebuking people in this particular context because they forgot to share other pe with other people how amazing the love of God and Jesus is. He actually rebukes them for not being involved in evangelism. Jesus understood, and I believe teaches us some very simple principles with regards to Sabbath. I believe he teaches us, you should have one. For your own good, you should have one. But I believe he also teaches, sometimes on your Sabbath, a crisis is going to happen. And in that moment, don't get all stuck in your rules. Help the person that's in crisis. Reach out, because in doing that, you're going to communicate the heart of God towards people. And the heart of God towards people is more important than your personal rules. I mean, think about just how nuts it would be if, if you show up on my doorstep and, and you've severed a limb, right? And you've got your arm or the bottom part of your leg in a plastic bag and you're like, Grant, I need help. How crazy would it be if I looked at you and said, sorry, dude, it's Sabbath, you know? You're just going to have to restrict the blood flow until tomorrow. We'll look after that tomorrow morning. I mean, it would be ludicrous to think that way. And yet that's what the legalists were saying. You just don't get 
to me, I think Jesus was teaching something else. I think he was teaching us that the things that he devoted himself to on the Sabbath were good, were beneficial. They were not selfish. In fact, the reason he was doing them is because they were holy. That's another clue about what a Sabbath is supposed to look like. There's a third option for a response to the fourth commandment. This is my favorite, the one that I recommend to you, obedience. I mean, there's a novel thought, right? Let's just do what God told us to do and see whether or not it works out, okay? There's two ways to respond in obedience. The first way is theologically. In Matthew chapter 11, Romans chapter 4, and Colossians chapter 2, the Bible teaches us that Sabbath is a gift. It's another way that God says, I understand your limitations, I put you together. I get this part of your life. And what I want you to do is to trust me enough to unplug from all of that important stuff in your life and plug into me instead. Let me read a great quote from a pastor friend of mine named Mark in Seattle who I think just nailed this truth. He wrote an article on Sabbath. These are his words. He says this, Our true Sabbath as believers is not in a day but ultimately in a saving relationship with Jesus where we can rest from trying to earn our salvation and rest in His finished work. Therefore, Sabbath is not a law for believers to obey, but instead, it's a grace for believers to enjoy. Sabbath is for your good. Sabbath is for your blessing. Having one is both biblical and theological. It is a matter of obedience. So we can obey theologically, but we're also called to obey practically. Each week we've allowed a decision to be placed in front of you. By obeying the fourth commandment, this is the decision you say you're going to be willing to make. It goes like this. I set aside strategic time in my schedule to honor God with a Sabbath rest, to let God speak to me and for me to respond in worship and in praise. But it's not about a day. It's about a do. This is my question, Christ the King. And I know it doesn't seem very theologically deep. I think it's a big issue, though, because of all of us that violate it whenever we feel like it. Do you step out of work to rest? We're all about work at Christ the King. Seriously, people of CTK, I want you to be the hardest workers in the county. But do you know how to balance it with obedience when it comes to rest? Do you do one day a week radically different than you do every other day so that you can focus on God? Okay, this is how it works for me. I can't speak for you. I can only speak for me. I work Saturdays and Sundays, right? It comes with the church deal. We're here every six days, but we work weekends. That's just the way it is. So my Sabbath can't be on Saturday and it can't be on Sunday because I'm working those days, hopefully, all right? which means I need to find out another way to do Sabbath. My Sabbath is actually on Friday. That's when I celebrate Sabbath, okay? I rest on Friday, literally. I rest on Friday. My pace is slower. Friday afternoon, if it's a good day, I take a nap. I think naps are holy. I mean, seriously. <laughs> Amen. There we go. We got some of that, all right? So I rest by actually Resting. Now, resting does not necessarily mean doing nothing, okay? There's a biblical word for doing nothing. It's called lazy, all right? Rest means I'm shifting gears. 
I'm allowing a different power supply to power my life in those moments. So I rest by actually resting, I actually, and I also rest by doing things that I enjoy doing that are not work for me, they're a joy for me. I love puttering in my yard. I like edging things. I like pulling weeds. I like laying down bark. I love that kind of stuff, and that is not work for me. It's joy. And you know why I know it's not work? Because when I'm outside working in my backyard, I find myself doing something. As I let dirt run through my fingers and I actually work with God's creation, my attention is drawn up. So if you ever see me mowing my lawn, some of the time you'll see me singing. Because I think God loves that stuff. I think there's something beautiful and holy about resting with dirt. I like dirt. I think dirt is holy. I love the fact that God created dirt before he created people. That's a clue to me, okay? I mean, think about it. It's true, all right? But I love doing that because I find rest there. Friday mornings when school's not in, Laurel and I have kind of a tradition. We go out for breakfast together on Friday mornings. We connect, drink coffee, drink tea, eat food. I mean, and we just we're able to connect in that moment. It's a rest period. We try to do something special whenever we can on Fridays with our kids, depending on schedules and stuff like that, we try to have a different kind of day on Fridays as a family. And I've learned something. When I Sabbath, my pace slows down. My life gets quieter. And I can hear God better because everything around me has gotten quieter. It helps me get my heart prepared so that when I get here on Saturday, I am ready to go. I mean, I'm like... I'm like a Starbucks coffee on steroids. I mean, seriously, it's like, woohoo, Jesus time, let's go, right? That's kind of how it works for me. I try to do this as practically as I can. If you ever call my cell phone, you're going to hear and a part of my message says, if you're calling on Friday, you need to know I will not be returning your call until Saturday. Now, if it's a crisis, you show up bleeding on my front doorstep, I'm probably going to do something about that, all right? It's the spirit of the law, not the letter of the law. But Fridays are the one day that we try to protect in our family no matter what. We don't get it right all the time, but we're working on it. All right? I've made a decision that I will not do the work of my livelihood on Fridays. I choose to rest, and I believe God honors that choice. Now, some of you look at, well, what does that have to do with church? I think it's as simple as this. Church is an amazing opportunity to come together. What did we do today? We worshiped God. We heard from Scripture. We prayed together as a family. We enjoyed the fellowship of other believers. What a great anchor hour for an entire Sabbath. But if you think you can do Sabbath in one hour a week, staring at the back of somebody else's head, you've completely missed the point of what Sabbath is. So I think church is a great option. And even if you are a calendar-driven, legalist, neatnik, it's okay we got you covered at CTK because we do Saturday nights and Sunday mornings. It's perfect, all right? Take your pick. It works, Okay. So Sabbath is not about an hour. It's about a focus. In the beginning week of the series, we read scripture that actually stated there are blessings and curses that come out of the commandments. If you do the commandment, God promises a blessing. If you don't do the commandment, He promises a curse. And I'll remind you again, curse in Hebrew means curse. That's what it means. What are some of the curses that come from rejecting the Sabbath. Well, the first one is that in rejecting the Sabbath, you decide you're going to worship the God of work and status because you're on that treadmill. I mean, just by not doing commandment number four, you're in violation of commandments one and two. They're completely connected together. 
So you end up worshiping the wrong God. The second curse is exhaustion. You're just cooked, fried, baked, whatever word you want to stick on there. And then you wonder why nobody likes being around you. It's because you're grumpy when you're tired. That's the bottom line, all right? What's the third curse? It's a loss of reliance and devotion to God. I mean, what we are really saying by not doing commandment number four is that we think we are more than enough. That's what we're saying. We're saying we're all sufficient. We're just fine. We can accomplish this on our own. We're a little bit smarter than God. And I know this is going to completely rock some of your worlds, but I think it needs to be said, okay? If you were to unplug from one day, I know this is going to surprise some of you to death, but I, I, it, I'm just going to say it. The world's going to keep on going. The universe will continue to function. The sun will not fall out of the sky. The lakes will not dry up because you decide you're going to unplug for one day. I know that freaks some of you out because you actually think you are the king of the universe. We have classes for that here at Christ the King. We'd love to invite you, okay? When we unplug, we are doing a godly service and we're being holy. All right, what are the blessings of observing the Sabbath? Well, they're all the flip side of the curses, right? The blessing of observing the, uh, the, of the Sabbath is to worship the one true God through obedience. The second blessing is to rest and balance in your life. That's what you get when you actually do what God has told you to. And finally, the blessing is to increase reliance and devotion to God. You know, I meet a lot of people who think they can take a flyer and have found an exemption for commandment number four. They just think they can do it. I, just, I don't need to do that one. I found a different kind of a rhythm and I have to do this stuff because a lot of people are depending on me. You know where I ultimately seem to meet all of those people down the road? I meet them in the ER at St. Joseph's. Usually in the cardiac unit. Because if you don't slow down, my friends, your body will slow down for you. It's just reality. So I meet them in the ER I meet them in my office when their marriage has fallen apart because either the husband or the wife is so driven they don't know how to take their foot off the gas pedal. And if they can't have an obedience to God in this area, how in the world do they expect to have that kind of a relationship with a spouse? Sometimes I meet these people when they're kids who naturally have an affinity to the fourth commandment because kids still understand the joy of rest and play they know the holiness of it. They've pointed out to mom and dad that you're just too busy. I meet them when years later when their kids are 16, 17, 18, and 19, and they come in and they go, I just don't understand why my kid doesn't want anything to do with church or God. You know why it is, mom and dad? It's because you never modeled to them how to rest. You weren't obedient in the fourth commandment, so why would you expect your children to be? That's where this one gets really practical and a little painful. True? You know, a lot of us say, I can't afford to do that. No, the truth is you can't afford not to. It's not about a day, my friends. It's about a do. We've been laying out what we call the Big Ten Challenge all summer long. It's for you to convene your most important small group, which is your family, and to set some time aside during the week to talk about these issues. Mom and dad, 
do yourself a favor. Go over commandment number four and be very open to what your children actually have to say to you. Because that could be the Holy Spirit of God convicting you through their words. When they point out, you don't Sabbath at all. You're 24-7 full on. I'm lucky if I get five minutes a day out of you. If you're just a husband and wife, that's a great small group. Take some time. Get some time aside to talk about this fourth commandment. If you're single, we've encouraged you to connect up with another family at CTK or to get three or four friends together and sit down and actually work through whether or not you are truly obedient to commandment number four. It's a simple question. But remember, it's not a day. It's a do. Years ago, my uh, summers were filled working for my dad. My dad was a dairy equipment salesman, and we used to build barns during the summertime. And one summer, I got sent out on a project with another worker. His name was Mike. And our job was to set milk stalls where cows stand inside of a barn. And our job was to get them straight and square so the concrete guy could come in in the afternoon and pour the little forms around the bottom so that they would never, ever move again. Two things, straight Square. I'm borderline OCD. I'm all about straight and square, right? That's just my world. And I've never been so frustrated. We couldn't get those things straight or square to save our lives. Just when we thought we'd get them right, you end up looking down the line. It's curvy as all get out. It's driving me nuts because it's supposed to be straight and square. And the concrete truck is coming in the afternoon. We've got to have this thing done. I mean, it's got to be finished. And then my dad shows up on the job site. They used to call him the little general, all right? Kind of tells you what it was like, all right? Little guy, but didn't put up with much guff, all right? And he walks in, and they're supposed to be straight and square by the time he gets there. He kind of walks in, looks down the line, like, and it's driving me crazy because I can't for the life of me figure out why don't these things work. We'll never forget the wisdom my dad gave in that moment. He said, you know, Grant, sometimes the answer is in a break. I'm like, what? Go outside, take a break. Are you kidding me? There's no time for a break. These things are supposed to be straight and square. I've got to get this work done. This is driving me crazy. I don't have time for a coffee break right now. He's just like, seriously, go outside. So I did. Went and sat outside, against the metal, outside of the building. <laughs> Straight and square, sitting out here. <sighs> sitting out there for about five minutes, starting to cool down a little bit. And I realized something. Started measuring from the wrong end of the barn. Went back, looked at the plans. Sure enough. Start at the wrong wall. <laughs> Didn't work out so good for me, right? People of Christ the King, I believe that the Holy Father, God Himself, is saying something to His children this morning, and I think it goes something like this. Sometimes the answer to your troubled life is in a break. that break. It's not a matter of the day. It's a question of do. Do you Sabbath? And that answer is not between me and you. 
It's between you and the loving God who gave you that commandment for your own good. Let's pray. God, thank you for knowing us so well. Thank you for knowing before time even began that we would have a tendency to never take our foot off the gas pedal. God, thank you for thousands of years ago whispering to one of your followers that we were going to need a break and that if we would take that time and focus fully on you, that we'd be able to hear you better, that we would be able to worship you in spirit and in truth, that we would be able to understand that you are more than enough for us. God, would you forgive us for getting this wrong? God, would you forgive us for for pretending that we can Sabbath between 11 and 12 at night, three days a week, and call it good? Lord, would you help us to see the wisdom and the practicality of Scripture more than anything? God, would you help us to be obedient? Whatever day it is that you are our focal point, would you give us the wisdom to do that day differently? If it's to come and worship with your people, may we come and worship with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. If it's a day to be alone, would you give us the discipline to disconnect from all of the other stressors and to rest easy in a peace that passes all understanding that promises to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Lord, for every brother and sister who came to church today, I pray that they would rest well this coming week in the eternal rest of Jesus and in the weekly rest that you lay out for us in commandment number four. We give you honor and praise through our obedience. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Awesome.